ESPN Radio. It's your boy Chris Candy rolling with the homie Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio, also on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at ChrisCandy99 at HDouglas83. And Harry, the New York Mayor Eric Adams, has kind of led us to believe that the vaccine mandate that's been in place since the start of the NBA season could potentially be lifted in the coming weeks, which would, of course, lead to Kyrie Irving being allowed to be a full-time player. So that got us to thinking, can anyone stop the Nets if Kyrie Irving is a full-time player? We want everybody to chime in on the candy call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. But, Harry, we also got to pivot to this conversation because this came up in our production meeting, and I scratched my head a little bit when you said it, but we were talking about the quarterbacks in the 2022 season that would be poised to make a Joe Burrow-like jump. And then you said, wait a minute, it's not a Joe Burrow-like jump. Joe Burrow is just catching up to where Justin Herbert is at. And so I think we got to open that question up to, well, which quarterback would you rather have if you're starting your franchise right now today? And I'm on the Joe Burrow camp. I think Marcus Spears, my former teammate, is with Joe Burrow. Darren Orlovsky is definitely Team Burrow, although that's not saying that much because he loves Carson (laughs) Wentz too. And then our very own Mina Kimes, who started out the beginning of the season with Justin Herbert being her guy, has started to lean toward Joe Burrow. So I got to know where you're at with with this conversation since you're our resident wide receiver. Which side of this are you on? If you're starting a team today, which quarterback do you want? Do you want Joe Burrow, the guy that just played in the Super Bowl, or do you want Justin Herbert? I like how you try to throw that in there, the guy who just played in the Super Bowl. Chris, you're not slick. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert, Mm. and I'm confident in that answer. When you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, prototypical 6'4", strong arm. You even see Keenan Allen, his fellow receiver, his star receiver, talk about his arm talent and how he can make every single throw on the football field. But then you go to look at some of the things that Justin Herbert has already done in National Football League in the first two seasons. He has the most passing yards and the most touchdowns thrown by any quarterback in their first two seasons. Now, a lot of that is predicated off of a lot of people wonder, well, Joe Burrow would have done that if he would have played last year. But that's the if. He did not. When you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, durability is a huge thing in this factor. You look at Justin Herbert. He's 23 years old. Joe Burrow is 25 years old. Then you look at his first first year in the National Football League. If I can recall, Justin Herbert was the rookie of the year, so he has some hardware. I understand that that Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl, but he has nothing to show for it. He has no hardware. They didn't win that ring. Justin Herbert has the rookie of the year offensively in 2020, and they were the same draft class. Also, now when you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, you look at his rookie year, he threw for over 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, completing over 66% of his passes. Year two, he was number two in passing yards, only behind who? The GOAT himself, Tom Brady. So when I looked at the uh, the trajectory of, 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 of these young quarterbacks, I think Justin Herbert – out of Joe Burrow and Herbert, I think the ceiling is higher for Justin Herbert uh, moving forward. Interesting. So the ceiling is higher. Are we talking about individual production or are we talking about how quarterback play equates to team success? Because I think that can be two different conversations. And to me, it's not necessarily about the numbers that a quarterback throws up. It's about a quarterback's ability to play winning football, to make those handful of throws that they need to make in order to put their team in a situation to win games. You go back to that Week 17 game against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
Steve Spagnola, for whatever reason, decides to call an all-out blitz. And what does Joe Burrow do? He hangs one up to Jamar Chase, puts him in range for the go-ahead score under that circumstance. You look at what he did in the divisional round against the Tennessee Titans. The guy took an absolute beating, sacked nine times, over 13 hits on the quarterback. But the guy at the end of the game, once they got that turnover at midfield, finds Jamar Chase on that deep out, sets up Evan McPherson for the game winner. I mean, you look at it at every single step. In Arrowhead Stadium, in the AFC Championship game, down 11 points at halftime, is able to mount a comeback. Up until that point in the playoffs, there had been no other quarterback to beat Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid other than Tom Brady, and that was the flip of a coin in overtime. Uh oh. This, this, this dude, Joe Burrow, does a lot of high level winning, and he makes game winning plays. Uh-oh, and Chris. in that game, in that game, in that second half, Joe Burrow used his legs to convert some critical third downs down the stretch. So I'm pointing to actual tangible evidence, mm-hmm. actual plays where we're talking about Joe Burrow putting his team in position to have success. You talk about that Rookie of the Year trophy that Joe, Justin Herbert has in his trophy case, I'm pretty sure having an AFC Championship trophy trumps that one. Just Ooh. saying, as the quarterback for Joe Burrow, that's what he's that's what he's working with, that's what he's done in his first full season as a quarterback in the National Football League. Has Justin Herbert even played in a playoff game? Oh, Has he even gotten there? Check this out, though, Chris. Did, did, check this out. Did he even get there yet? Check, okay. me, out, check me out, though, Chris, because the last I'm time listening. I checked, these two quarterbacks played against each other, and who came out on top was a guy named Justin Herbert. Now, in that same game, you see the guy like Joe Burrow have one interception, uh, two interceptions, one touchdown, and a fumble. He had three turnovers in that game that led to 10 points for the Chargers to win that game. Also, Justin Herbert, if it wasn't for his head coach, if it wasn't for his head coach just freelancing and acting like he's playing Madden, deciding when they want to go for fourth down and they should be kicking field goals, the Chargers would have been in the playoffs. And I guarantee that's one of the things I wanted to see because I wanted to see Herbert match up with Patrick Mahomes because they should have beat the Chiefs both times last year if it wasn't for their head coach, Brandon Staley. So I was at some point this year, I was like, man, I hope these two, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, get a chance to match up in the playoffs because that's just a be, that'll be phenomenal for the National Football League. Also, it'll be phenomenal for these young quarterbacks coming up. Now, I will, I will say this. We're talking about both of these quarterbacks, man. There's no wrong answer here mm. because both of these guys are so phenomenal. So I do want to say that because I don't want to make it sit up here and sound like I'm dissing a guy like Joe Burrow because – he does have something that nobody else has, and that's that confidence. Not saying that Justin Herbert doesn't have the confidence. You just see it a little bit more in a guy like Joe Burrow. But when you talk about the intangibles of the quarterback position and the upside, I think Justin Herbert has Whoa, 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 Harry. Not the intangibles. Now, you can't say that you're saying Justin Herbert has more intangibles than Joe, than Joe Burrow does. He, Joe Burrow he has a better went to arm. The, Joe He's Burrow more athletic. Went to, no, no. He Attribute. Has, no, Harry, Harry. Attributes okay. and intangibles, different. Okay, okay. okay, okay. When you talk about physical you attributes, okay. Bigger arm, bigger quarterback, maybe more mobility, better athleticism. I'll give you all of those. But when it comes to intangibles, the things that we can't see, that we know ultimately make a difference in Chris, terms I of I used the wrong the word, team, okay? The team buying in. That's Joe Burrow in spades, bro. Keep in mind, he went to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals. People were saying, you know what? Joe Burrow's so good. This guy should hold out. He should force force them to trade him. Pull an Eli Manning. There's no way in hell he should go to Cincinnati. The landing spot for Justin Herbert by far was better than what Joe Burrow walked into. Now, 
Joe Burrow in year two was able to make a lot of those things work mm-hmm. because they drafted Jamar Chase and the guy turns out to be the best receiver in the NFL as a rookie. Okay, that's great. But you look at all of the things that Joe Burrow had to overcome. He was the most sacked quarterback in the National Football Some League. Some of those were his fault. Some of those were his sack- fault, though. Okay, but all Holding 51 of them, long. all 51 of them, no, but- if you want to factor in the playoffs, 70 of them, they can't <laughs> all be on Joe Burrow. At some point, you have to acknowledge that is one of the worst offensive lines when it comes to pass block win rate, and we saw that at play in the Super Bowl. Probably cost him a championship, but the fact that he was able to overcome that, the guy led the NFL in completion percentage, and you're talking about a guy that was able to galvanize this team into the playoffs. He has playoff wins. I don't have to wonder whether or not Joe Burrow is capable of winning once it gets to the playoffs and it matters the most. That's still a question that Justin Herbert has to answer. So when you ask the question of which one of these guys do I want to start a franchise with, I'm going with Joe Burrow because my objective is to win championships and the guy in year two took his team to the Super Bowl. So what if he never gets back there again? Well, I mean, that's a Dan Marino. That's a what if. <laughs> what if Justin Herbert never gets there at all? Hey, what, I what, think what, he are we, will. what are we talking about? <laughs> I think he I think he will. I think next year is gonna next year is gonna be very key, I think, for both of these quarterbacks, because I want to see the jump that they make, right, in year three. Uh, you see a Joe Burrow lead his team to the AFC Championship. You see a guy like Justin Herbert. You see him be better. But I want to see, and I will say this also, though, Chris, when you look at Zach Taylor and you look at a Joe Burrow, those guys have been paired together for two years. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert has had two head coaches in two years. you got to factor all these things into the argument. No, it does. It definitely does factor into the math, but I'm still leaning toward Joe Burrow, and I don't know that there's anything that you can say to sway my opinion. I'm going to have to see it from Justin Herbert. I need to see him win a division. I need to see him get his team into the playoffs. I need to see him win a playoff game before I'm going to actually you gotta go buy talk to Brandon him. Staley because if it wasn't for him, they would have been in. He out there playing video games like he playing Madden every Well, day. listen, Brandon Staley is the one that's with all of these players with the entire team every single day. He's making the calls that he believes is in the team's best interest to win games. And if he's doing that, maybe that's saying something about his confidence in his players. Doesn't mean he's let's smart. Just put, Don't mean let's he's just smart, put that out, Let's just put that out there. Coming <laughs> up next, is returning to Green Bay the best option for Devontae Adams? We'll take a look at the best landing spots for the top NFL free agents. That's next. Harry Douglas, Chris Candy, ESPN Radio. I mean that as disrespectfully as I possibly can. ESPN Radio. HD and CC on ESPN Radio and E+. Harry Douglas and Chris Candy. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Harry, with New York City being poised to change the vaccine mandate for indoor arenas, indoor spaces. This according to Mayor Eric Adams. It feels like we're closer to Kyrie Irving becoming a full-time player for the Brooklyn Nets sooner rather than later, which got everybody to thinking, can anyone stop the Nets if Kyrie Irving is allowed to play in the home games down the stretch and in the postseason? And so that's the no, that's the that's the question that we want you to answer on the Canty Caller line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Let's go out to David in Pennsylvania. David, what you got for us? Hey, guys, I appreciate you taking my call today. Um, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting if they do this because I think there's going to be a lot of chemistry issues that the Nets have got to work out with Ben Simmons, uh, with Kyrie, with Durant coming back from injury. They've got a lot of new pieces in there. And I still feel like Milwaukee's the champ until somebody beats them. I mean, 
you know, to quote Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I feel like Milwaukee's Ooh. got that playoff pedigree, that championship pedigree, and, and that, that's they're the team to beat still until somebody actually steps up and beats them. So Brooklyn might have the talent, but uh, Milwaukee's got that championship mentality, and, and to beat them, it's going to be tough because they know how to, you know, they beat a really good Suns team last year in the biggest moment of the NBA last year. David, you're absolutely right. And for my money, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP of the league right now with the way that he's playing. I wasn't sure that he was going to get much better when it came to his perimeter shooting, his perimeter game, but you got this guy hitting turnaround fadeaways. He's knocking down three-pointers. He's shooting with a lot more confidence. His form isn't as ugly as it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, this is this is a much-improved Milwaukee Bucks team because they have a much-improved superstar that sets the tone for them, and they have that team chemistry, and they also bring to the table the confidence that it takes in order to win championships because they have they've they've done it before. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance. They just show that they ca- they're capable of being able to win the Larry O'Brien. So I'm with I'm with David on this one. That's going to be a tough out moving forward this NBA season. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys, but I think the one piece that I feel that's very very valuable for the Milwaukee uh, Milwaukee Bucks that's missing is PJ Tucker. He brought that toughness, and even though Kevin Durant was getting those buckets over him game after game in that series. He tired Kevin Durant out in doing so and making him earn everything that he got. So that toughness in Milwaukee, that's what I'm kind of worried about right now because you have a guy like P.J. Tucker who's no longer on that team. No, you're right, but they did add a rim protector, shot blocker, and Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline. So we'll see if that can help offset and and solidify that defense and the loss of P.J. Tucker moving forward. But under Coach Bud, that's always going to be a team that plays rock-solid defense. But Harry... With the free agency uh, on, 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 well, we're on the doorstep of free agency, but also the franchise tag window opened up yesterday, and it got us to thinking about players that could potentially be tagged, but players that also could potentially be free agents. And we got to figure out what the best landing spots for some of these free agents is going to be. So Shannon, our producer, is going to run through some names, and we're going to pick the best landing spots for these guys. The premier, the best of the best when it comes to NFL free agency in 2022. Shannon, what we got? All right, I'm going to go down the list based on our ESPN.com list of the top NFL free agents. We'll start at the top with Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. We're going to start with the wide receiver here, Harry. Who you got? What's the best landing spot for Devontae Adams? Well, I'll say if Devontae Adams wants his money, I think it would be the Green Bay Packers. Now, he may feel some type of way if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. I had the opportunity to work out with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams out in the Bay Area a few years back. Those guys are best friends. So if it's not in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, he might want to go play with his best friend, Derek Carr. I'm going to say wherever Aaron Rodgers lands. And if Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay, then that's where Devontae Adams fits best. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, then I'm going to say there. If he goes to Indianapolis, my my personal choice of where I think they should go, I'm going to say there. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, they make magic happen together. I mean, you're talking about those guys having two consecutive seasons where they've had first-team All-Pros, and they're only second to Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. So it's a prolific tandem uh, when it comes to throwing and catching the football, you don't want to break up that type of chemistry. So wherever Aaron Rodgers lands, I know that's a little bit of a cop-out, but that's how I feel about that situation. All right, here we go. The number two on the uh, ESPN.com list of the top NFL free agents, Teron Armstead, offensive tackle for the New Orleans Saints. Chris, where's the best landing spot for a friend of the program, Teron Armstead? 
Oh, Teron Armstead. Uh, listen, I think he should go to the Cincinnati Bengals. They got a bag. It's $49 million in cap space. So we'll see what they end up doing with Jesse Bates the third. But even if they franchise tag him, they got plenty of money to throw at Teron Armstead. And he's a guy that can lock down that left tackle position. If you want to slide Jonah Williams inside and let him play left guard, if you want to flip him over to right tackle, then that's what you got to do. But that offensive line needs an upgrade. They got to keep Joe Burrow from getting cut in half like he did his rookie year. And it feels like since he would be a good fit. Yeah, I think uh, I have two teams in mind. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who were horrendous. I mean, terrible. Terrible. They were terrible when it came to protecting Big Ben. And you cannot have that if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. They stand for more. They, they they want more from that position. That's offensive tackle it is. Now, the second team I have is the Chicago Bears. We've all seen the last two years what that offensive line is. It's times, Chris, when the protection should be going this way, but they're blocking that way. They're not in unison. They're not on the same page. They can also use a leader on that offensive line. So those are the two teams for me, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chicago Bears. All right, there it is. So we'll have more landing spots for ESPN's top NFL free agents a little bit later up in the show. But coming up next, ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins says Zion Williamson is in danger of becoming this former NFL quarterback. We'll tell you who that is. Harry Douglas, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio, back after this. ESPN Radio. Chris Candy and Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Can anyone stop the Nets if Kyrie Irving can play in the home games? This is in light of New York seemingly preparing to lift the vaccine mandate. That's the question we want you to answer on the Candy call in line. Triple H say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But speaking of players being stopped, it seems like Zion Williamson has stopped himself, Harry, because the guy hasn't played this season, and we're questioning whether or not we're actually going to see him in a Pelicans uniform anytime soon. And, of course, this has our very own Kendrick Perkins concerned about the future of Zion and whether or not he's going to live up to his potential that he had when he was drafted first overall a few years ago. Here's Kendrick Perkins, on our NBL analyst, on Zion Williamson. If he don't get on track soon, he's about to be the Marcus Russell of the NBA. Probably talented as hell, you know, generational talent. But because of him not being able to get in shape, because of everything he's dealing with off the court for us, you know, having bad eating habits, things to those natures, you know, just not getting the right guidance, I don't know if we're going to be able to see this man and see how great he could possibly be. That's a strong statement for our, from our very own Kendrick Perkins comparing him to Jamarcus Russell, an all-time wow. draft bust in the NFL. But for more, for more things on all things Zion, let's go to the candy call-in line and welcome in ESPN Pelicans reporter Andrew Lopez. And Andrew, the biggest question that everybody has is what's the relationship like with Zion and the Pelicans, and specifically Zion and C.J. McCollum, who was just traded to New Orleans a few days ago? Yeah, the big thing about Zion and CJ right now, obviously at All-Star Weekend, CJ uh, made some waves uh, when he was on the TNT broadcast and mentioned that he had not spoken to Zion yet, said that he had spoken to some guys in his camp but not directly uh, to Zion. You guys know, I mean, this, that's it, it, it was a kind of a no-no thing. You, you, you would expect a guy like Zion to reach out to the, to the vet coming to his team um, 
I, by Tuesday morning, uh, CJ McCollum told uh, our Malika Andrews that he had, in fact, spoken to Zion. So we, we don't know how that conversation went, but we do know that it that it took place. So at least Zion is uh, trying to correct something. And uh, you know, Zion has not. He, he's been away from the team. I just want to. I mean, I, I point that out as well. It's not like. Zion is in the facility right now and just actively ignoring people. He has, he has been away from the team for um, probably about six or seven weeks now. I think he might have started, but it might have been the first week of January. He went to uh, went to Portland to kind of continue his rehab away from the team for for now. But they have at least spoken uh, since since Saturday night. Uh, you know, when when we asked CJ, bef- you know, before this happened. You know, what was he excited about in terms of coming to New Orleans? He mentioned, obviously, Brandon Ingram, but he also mentioned Zion. He's, and, you know, it gives them arguably two, I mean, three top 40 players when healthy. Um, and so it, their relationship is, is going to be key moving forward. But they, they have now spoken. What, what, what was said there, we don't know that yet. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that from CJ tomorrow. Andrew, what can you tell us about the latest update on Zion's health? Right now, we're there. There was another set of scans, um, I believe, late last week, early earlier this week, and and the Pelicans are still kind of mulling over what what the next step is, whether or not that means uh, we're going to see Williamson this year, whether uh, or or not a uh, you know other options are on the table, whether if he's going to be shut down for the year. Everything is kind of out there right now. We, we don't know what the next step is. I, I would expect something uh, from the team soon, back on February 10th. That was the uh, the day of the trade deadline. Uh, David Griffin said he expected to to have those scans, I guess, either late last week or early this week. Um, and I'd presumably that would mean something would be coming, uh, be coming soon. So, But, you know, right now everybody's on all-star break. We, we haven't been around the facility, haven't got a chance to talk to anybody. Uh, we'll, we'll have – you know, a practice tomorrow where we can go and, and talk to Willie Green. I don't, I don't think we're going to talk to David Griffin, but we'll talk to, to Willie Green and see um, maybe if he has any insight on what the next step is. Talking with ESPN Pelicans reporter Andrew Lopez on the Kenny call-in line. And, Andrew, one of the questions that I had to ask is, of course, Zion is going to be eligible for a, an extension on his rookie contract to the tune of five years, $181 million after this season. Have we heard anything from his camp or from the Pelicans when it comes to that contract offer and whether or not he intends to sign it? You know, I think Brian Windhorst reported uh, maybe a week ago that, you know, maybe there you know, could be – it would seem like for a guy like Zion, there shouldn't be any negotiations when it comes to, to that extension, if everything was healthy, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, the number, I know the number, here's the max we can give you sign the paper and we're good to go. It's one of those deals that gets announced at five Oh one, you know, right after free agency opens Uh, this time around, I think because, I mean, let's just say he doesn't play the rest of the year. That's 85 games in three seasons. That's, that's not a good number. And then you start looking at maybe, okay, well, maybe the contract becomes, you know, uh, like Joel Embiid's extension that he signed after three years when he had only played, I think, 33 games after missing time. That You know, it, was, it, it, it had all these protections and things like that. But uh, I think once you, you get to this summer, uh, when they're able to offer him that extension, uh, that's when I think things will really start to, to heat up one way or another because if, if they don't become to, uh, to an agreement, then, you know, 
well, uh, who knows what the next step is after that. Do you get the sense that Zion doesn't want to be down there in New Orleans with the Pelicans? I get the sense that he wants to just be able to play, and I think a lot of his frustrations have been about not being able to be on the court uh, because of injuries. I think that's that's the main sense of his frustration, and there there have been some you know you, you go back to the meniscus injury his first year, which originally was going to be a six to eight week injury, and then it turns into thirteen weeks before he's able to play. Um, you know, at around he he debuted on January twenty second. Around Christmas, he told uh, Sedano, "I think that it was you know if it was up to me, I would have played already." And then when he got on the court, it was it was burst restrictions. And I remember going into his second year that he uh, I asked him, I was like, he he was smiling like he just had this really big smile going into a game, and I was like, "You're really happy you don't have to have a burst restriction anymore." And it it was like the the biggest smile I think I'd ever seen on his face for a kid who smiles for, you know, a lot of the time. So I think a lot of his frustration with the situation just comes from not being able to be on the floor period um, because of the, 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 the various injuries he's had so far. Andrew, we appreciate a few moments of your time. I'm sure we're going to be talking to you soon to get an update on this situation because the NBA world is going to be watching for Zion Williamson and what happens with him the rest of the regular season. Andrew, we appreciate it, man. Got it. Thank you guys. Thank you. All right. That is ESPN Pelicans reporter Andrew Lopez on the Canty call-in line. Coming up next, are the Suns still the favorites after Chris Paul's thumb injury? We'll have the answer for you. This is Harry Douglas and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Can anyone stop the Nets if Kyrie Irving can play in the home games? That's the question that Harry Douglas and I want to know. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. I'm Chris Canny. He is Harry Douglas. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in tonight for college basketball action as Virginia, my Virginia Wahoos, Uh-oh. hosts the Duke Blue Devils. Coverage begins at 6.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Harry, we beat Duke in Cameron Indoor a couple of weeks ago, so I'm a little nervous about how this one is going to go down tonight. I want my boys to win, but I'm not going to say it with my chest. I'm just putting it out there. But anyway, I digress. We got to get into this NBA action, and we want you guys to chime in on the candy calling line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Because as we gear up for the stretch run of the regular season post-All-Star break, we got to break down some over-unders when it comes to NBA conference seeding because we know teams are going to be jockeying for position in the playoffs. They're going to be moving up and down the standings. And so, Harry, Shannon, our producer, is going to run through some teams and run through some seeds and see whether or not we agree that those teams are going to stay where they're at. Are they going to move up or are they going to move down? You down to play? Let's go. All right, Shannon, if you will. Oh, Ryan Matlack with the beautiful NBA music. Love it each and every time. All right, Chris, we will start with you. Let's start at the top of the Eastern Conference with the Miami Heat, currently the number one seed. I'll set the number at one and a half, over or under for the Miami Heat finishing out this season. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, the Miami Heat are going to take care of business. Under Eric Spolster, they were well coached. I mean, you're talking about them being – you know, three games clear from the next closest team that I would view as a contender, which is the Philadelphia Sixers and then, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. So I I don't necessarily buy into what the Chicago Bulls are bringing to the table, although DeRozan is playing at an MVP level. So I'm going to say over with the Miami Heat finishing in pole position in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, I like the Miami Heat being a one seed. I just love what this team brings. I think they are the toughest team in the National Basketball Association, not too far removed from playing in the NBA Finals before losing. So I like this Miami Heat ball club. All right, let's move on to the currently the fourth seed, one of the biggest surprises in the NBA this season, the Cleveland Cavaliers, currently sitting at fourth in the East. I'll set the number, Harry, at three and a half, three and a half for the Cleveland Cavaliers in their final seeding in the East. What say you? Well, I'm going to make it simple on myself. I'm just going to say, are they going to be that fourth seed or not? I think they <laughs> won't be there. I think they'll be somewhere in between the five, six, seven range if you have those teams. I, I believe Brooklyn is going to make up a lot of ground uh, once this this mandate thing uh, comes to fruition for Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. So I don't see them being a four seed when it's all said and done. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Of course, because they've made major strides this season. Yeah, I'm going to go under on this one, too. My issue with the Cleveland Cavs is they can't score with all the other teams in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. They just can't. Right now, they're 19th in offensive rating, and that's, this is a team that's going to struggle when they got to have a guy down the stretch to get a bucket. I love what Darius Garland is doing this year. He's balling outside of his mind, absent of Colin Sexton. We know defensively they're going to be good with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, the Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what Karis LeVert brings to the table because he could be the X factor in terms of what this team's offensive output ends up looking like. But, yeah, I, I, they don't score the basketball easy enough for me to feel confident that they can stay at that four seed. So I'm going to go under. All right, here we go. One of the more intriguing teams in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, currently sit at sixth in the East. Chris, five and a half of the Boston Celtics finishing out this season. What say you? Listen, they were on a nine-game win streak before they dropped one to the Detroit Pistons uh, right before the All-Star break. It seems like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and company went on All-Star break early. But this team, the game before that, boat race the Philadelphia 76ers and they're in the third spot in the Eastern Conference. I mean, at one point in that game, Shannon, the score was 101 to 56. That's how one-sided it was. When Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are rolling, I mean, this this team is an unstoppable force. So, I like where the Boston Celtics are at, and I would say that they're going to finish better than where they're at right now. I'm going to go over that six seed. Yeah, I like over, too. Uh, when you look at this team, two of the better scores. Uh, in the NBA, especially when you talk about one-on-one, the only thing that worry, worries me about the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series is can their bench on any given night give them any production? Because we know what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is going to do, but it's the supporting cast. Are they going to be able to do their part? But I do, when it's all said and done in the playoff start, I do believe they'll be better than the sixth seed. All right, guys, let's move out to the Western Conference here. Start right at the top. Obviously, we got the big injury with Chris Paul going to miss the remainder of the regular season. So, Phoenix Suns, number one seed in the West, Harry. I'm setting the number at one and a half. Phoenix Suns finishing out this season as the one seed. What say you? Right now, they have a six and a half game lead over the Golden State Warriors. I know that's a lot of ground for the Warriors to have to make up, but CP3 means so much to that team, and it's going to be a lot of pressure on campaign coming back. He's actually coming back from a wrist injury, so with that pressure and not having CP3, and then you have Draymond coming back for the Warriors. Then you have James Wiseman to pair up with Clay and Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. I do not believe they're going to end up being the one seed, so no, I don't like it. 
Listen, the, Go- the the Phoenix Suns are six and a half games clear of the Golden State Warriors, the next closest team in the Western Conference standings. You got to go back to the 90s Bulls with Michael Jordan the last <laughs> time a team had that kind of lead in the standings going into the All-Star break. I don't see the Phoenix Suns having that kind of meltdown, even with campaign and CP3 being banged up. Now, is it going to increase the degree of difficulty for Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton? Sure. But under Monty Williams, I don't think they're capable of having that kind of meltdown that'll allow the Golden State Warriors to catch them. Now, I don't feel great about their momentum going into the playoffs, but that's a different subject for another day. I will say this, the Phoenix Suns will finish in the pole position in the West, so I'm going to go over. All right, so that was the last one. We're playing over-under with the NBA conference standings and... Harry and I don't necessarily see it the same way when it comes to certain teams, but I know one team that we expect to finish over, and that would be the Brooklyn Nets Mm -hmm. with Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, intimating that the vaccine mandate for indoor spaces could potentially be lifted in the coming weeks. It's hard not to think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be better than the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. So, Harry, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but the Kyrie Irving with Kevin Durant coming back, and Ben Simmons potentially, that is a potent bunch that you're going to have to deal with. Bro, listen, I, I, f- I kind of feel like it's almost impossible for them to finish in the AFC. Do, do you not feel the same way? It has to be impossible for it to happen. No question about it. They got 23 games left, and right now Kyrie Irving would only be eligible to play in about eight of them. If they lift that vaccine mandate, you're talking about him being able to play in the lion's share of those games. But coming up next, Can anyone stop the Brooklyn Nets if Kyrie Irving can play in the home games? We'll have the answers for you. Canty and Douglas, ESPN Radio.